welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica. And joining us today are Jeff Granato, president and CEO and co-founder of IONTRA, and Daniel Kanapka, chief science officer and co-founder at IONTRA. So IONTRA is a, a special kind of battery company on Clean Tech Talk, on Clean Technica in general. We have been obsessed with batteries for the past few years or several years because it just became clear that the future of the EV revolution is is all dependent on batteries. It's all about batteries and battery minerals or battery improvements. To start off, normally I start off with your backgrounds, but I would like to just start off briefly with what IONTRA is from your from your point of view, from your summary, and then going into your backgrounds and what led to IONTRA. So I get both get, get that from both of you actually would be great. Uh, we can start with Jeff here. Okay. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for inviting us. Uh, we're excited to be here and talk about you know the world of clean energy and about IONTRA in specific. But you know, charging is something that a lot of companies spend a lot of time on uh, developing improvements to. But you know, it, it really often gets overlooked as a critical component to address a lot of the issues that people are spending a lot of time and effort to solve with battery materials improvements, battery cell designs, you know, large systems improvements and so forth. You know, we at IONTRA are delivering, you know, dramatically better performance and safety from existing batteries that are in circulation today. And really what we're delivering is peace of mind that, you know, we're not plating on the anode under all conditions that the battery may find itself in. And also to be able to create you know, new ways to improve range and other practical aspects of battery use and, you know, longer life batteries to take some of the pressure off of second life applications and mineral use and and other things that a lot of people are working hard to solve uh, these issues. And so specifically what we're delivering is a charge control algorithm that Daniel will get into in more detail that's really novel in its approach. And the way that we're making it possible for companies to adopt this new approach is to enable them to just replace the charge control chip that they're using today with an IONTRA charge control chip in the next couple of years when it becomes available and then using off-the-shelf charge control MCUs today with our embedded C libraries to achieve the dramatic performance improvements that we're able to deliver with the, the algorithm. And so, yeah, yeah. I was going to introduce you as a battery innovation company. And then I was like, well, is this the right way to phrase it? And then, you know, the, the theme that we're sort of going with here is thinking outside the battery. But when you talk about the charge control optimization, it's something that, yeah, I'm just not familiar enough with. I'm like, is this inside the battery, outside the battery? How does this work with the battery? So we've got a lot of topics to, to go through in this podcast. It's going to be really interesting. But I was like, let's just leave it to them to explain what they do and who they are. And so that's a good starting intro from Jeff. Uh, Daniel, if you want to take it from there and 
yeah, explain it in your in your way as well. Sure. What what Iontra is doing, and then I'll and then we'll get into your backgrounds as well. How how we got how you got into this this company this space. It's great. Well, I can clarify. We are outside the battery from afar. You would describe us as a a battery charger or a pack charger, but really more technically, we are a technology that is based upon electrochemistry as well as electrodynamics using those principles to stabilize the the battery and the pack even under very challenging or stressing conditions and what that allows us to do with fundamentally stabilized components within a battery is push the performance of that battery in a particular direction that direction is going to be dependent upon the application and the the customer working with our technology but Oftentimes, that's going to be charging the battery very fast uh, without accruing the type of degradation and safety concerns uh, that usually arise uh, when you use a different type of method for controlling the battery. Alternatively, and, and very importantly for longevity and sustainability, is actually increasing the cycle life of the battery and ensuring that that device that's already been assembled with materials that have already been mined and already circulated has the opportunity to serve in its capacity for the longest possible time possible. Um, so really we're, we're bringing out the potential in the battery to be a lot of different things in different products, but the ideal combination is higher performance and increased longevity of that battery. Yeah. I think this is going to be the com- a conversation talking about batteries. The, the most, the most I've ever had with someone who's not working on batteries themselves or battery minerals in, in that space. So it's, it's fascinating and really eager for this. But yeah, let's get, how did you two get into this? How did you end up co-founding this company? And what was your background before IONTRA? We'll start with Daniel this time. Sure. My background is in chemical engineering, uh, electrochemistry as a focus, uh, as is very common in the United States. And prior to this company, we were founded about 10 years ago, uh, back in 2013, I was a postdoc out at the California Institute of Technology. Uh, so I was working in the chemistry department there and also up at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, a uh, NASA facility that is run uh, by Caltech uh, for NASA. And so there's a lot of different diverse and interesting projects going on in that particular location. You know, NASA builds some of the world's slowest electric vehicles, you could say, uh, with their rovers. And they do some of the most interesting work. If you go back farther than that, uh, when I was a child, I had a neighbor named Bill Dubay, who some people might know because he was an engineer who actually worked with A123, uh, the battery company, to develop the world's quickest motorcycle, uh, which he raced for a, a large number of years. So I've been an electric vehicle enthusiast for most of my life, largely because of, of him and a lot of other projects that I've encountered in my career. But I'd say my background from battery materials development, fuel cell materials development, some solar work as well, really was at a jumping point at the end of my postdoc and was making the decision about whether to pursue some ideas in the academic space or the the business space, the startup world. And at that point in time, uh, despite how strange it may sound today with all the excitement around batteries, uh, that enthusiasm really wasn't present 10 years ago uh, the way that it is now. So ultimately made the decision to start a company, uh, IONTRA, and develop what is now our core technology 
developing proof of concept and eventually getting the type of data that supported the, uh, the concept that our technology is now based upon. So the, the company is based upon a concept that was actually not part of my prior work on any of my other positions. And as a result, we had the burden of setting up you know, simple tests and really getting proof of concept to demonstrate the viability of the technology that we now use today at scale. Uh, so that so was in that the garage. Took about a well, <laughs> it, it was not in my garage, thank goodness. And okay. no one who does intensive chemical work should be working in their garage. Uh, <laughs> okay. But we were we were under a warehouse. We were in a warehouse under the highway here in Denver, so potentially okay. less glamorous than being in your home. Okay. I yeah, I lost you for like three to five seconds, and at the end of that, I heard garage and saw uh, Jeff laughing a little bit. So it's like, uh, what did I miss here? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've been running clean technica since 2010. Started technically in 2000, middle of 2008, and then more seriously 2009. And back in 2010, 2013, or even 2010 to yeah, well, 2010 to 2013, you know, we were almost entirely about solar and wind, and battery mm -hmm. storage was a topic, but it wasn't really a big topic. EVs were not really a big deal <laughs> until the model the Model S came out and then sort of the Tesla Model S, you know, got more and more popular and brought more and more attention to the space. And, then, you know, obviously we know what's happened in the EV sector, just barriers getting broken down rapidly. So it, it is very, even for me, who's covered it, you know, 24 seven, you know, 20 covered it more than full time for over a decade. It's like, oh yeah, not that long back. Nobody cared about batteries. Nobody was talking about or investing in, in, in these kind of things. And now it's, it's the hot topic of the decade. So it is interesting how much has changed in that decade. So Jeff, yeah, let's hear your background then and how that led you to IONTRA as well. Sure. If, if you would, if you and Danny wouldn't mind, I'm going to pick up where he left off because it, it's important to note that the company didn't start working on batteries. And so the, and Daniel can talk more about this, but you know, it wasn't until you know, the end of 2017 that we actually began doing some tests with some lab made batteries to test the technology in the context of, of a battery system. Uh, and then, you know, with, with my background, so I, I was co-founder and uh, CEO of Proterra actually, you know, joined Dale Hill back when, you know, he was applying for a grant for a hydrogen hybrid transit bus. And, you know, we started work on the uh, the designs and wound up pivoting to battery electric before we even began developing the hydrogen hybrid bus and, and winning the grant, uh, just, you know, doing all the research component selection and everything. And so it was a, a fun ride. I mean, we really were early in the, the EV world and journey. But, you know, we we did a lot of industry firsts, you know, pioneered a lot of things. We had to develop the whole supply chain to a large extent for our vehicle and, you know, convince people to invest in developing components for us and, you know, building manufacturing for us. And, you know, it was a, a long journey. We were very early in the process. And so, you know, it was something that we were really building around a concept of opportunity charging on route for transit buses. Uh, so that you could reduce the the cost of the energy storage system to the extent possible. And, you know, we, we were trying to take weight out of the bus to accommodate the energy storage with our composite body 
And, you know, all of these things prove very challenging to execute. But, you know, with the, the challenges with energy storage, we were, you know, evaluating new cells all the time and building our own charging systems, whether it was the PACs and, you know, the, the BMS and, and other systems to, to make this, the overall system work. And, you know, when I wound up joining IANTRA, you know, I still was really compelled by this notion. And as Daniel was accomplishing some of the, the things that he was doing with joining and codings, and we were looking for ideal places to go to market with the technology, batteries really bubbled up to the top. And we wound up choosing that as the lead market to go after. And, and that occurred, you know, in the late 2017, really early 2018 timeframe when we won an SBIR grant to pursue actually a lithium metal direction. And as we started to talk to customers, what we were hearing was, wow, this is really, everybody knows we need to get to lithium metal, but what we really need are better performing lithium ion cells. And so we pivoted to lithium ion. We didn't actually begin working with lithium ion cells until the spring of 2019 and uh, found lo and behold that we were able to have you know similar impact with intercalation as we were with deposition on you know the uh, anodes that we were working with previously. So hello listeners, my name is Scott Cooney and I am Zach's business partner. I'm the founder of Clean Technica and I am so so grateful to all of you avid clean tech fans out there. We are thrilled to have been accelerating the clean tech revolution for more than a decade now and really that all starts with you. The decisions you make and your companies make are driving this revolution. I'm most happy to be able to say that if we at Clean Technica had a nickel for every time we heard someone say that they purchased their first solar, their first EV, their first e-bike, or some other clean technology because of something they read on our website, Clean Technica would have enough money to be a cable TV channel by now. But the thing is, we don't get those nickels. And as a result, our ability to move markets only goes so far. So I have a favor to ask. If you love what we do, and you feel that we're helping move the world to a better future, could you chip in a monthly contribution of five bucks, 10 bucks, or whatever you can? If even 1% of our audience chipped in $5 a month, we could really blow this thing up and move markets. So if you feel motivated and can spare the cost of one cup of coffee a month, please go to cleantechnica.com support and sign up through either PayPal or Patreon. Again, that's cleantechnica.com support. Thanks so much. Well, this is a very good intro. It's a longer intro than we normally have, but it's, it's definitely like we need it because this is really outside of our box. So let's get to the, we'll get into the details now, but let's start with this thinking outside the battery kind of phrase, because I'm curious what, what that means overall for you guys. What is that about? Yeah, Daniel, please. Yeah, so, you know, no one, no one likes to think that they live in a box, but we all do. And it's very hard to, to break the trends that have kind of shaped the way that you view systems, especially when they're complex. Batteries are complex. And if you look at the way that people are charging batteries, really, we're talking about a method that has been fairly unchanged going back three decades, maybe more. The you know really advanced products use a variation on what is basically a stepped current, a DC current to charge batteries and the charge profile um, from zero to hundred percent has triggers that allow the current to change. But really the concepts that are driving these processes are still ultimately very simple. 
So you've got a really entrenched technology in part because it is so simple. And you have people pouring billions of dollars into developing new cells and improving you know, contemporary uh, material sets as well. All applying this very simple charging protocol to their devices and using that to benchmark what, what those devices are actually capable of in terms of charge rate, lifetime, and also discharge performance. So, you know, it, it, a little bit of a, an imbalance you can appreciate in the attention that's being paid to the material side, which is, of course, very important to the tools, the charging tools that even the world's largest corporations are actually using to work with these advanced cells and, and packs. So IONTRA really is stepping in and addressing that discrepancy by providing new tools that are well, you know, more advanced, you know, using, uh, you could think of it as an updated set of physical principles, but really looking beyond electrochemistry and outside of that box and producing a system that provides OEMs, uh, battery manufacturers, anyone who wants to, to benchmark cells, providing them with a new set of tools that really expands the, the possibilities and the levels of performance that we can get so that we're not leaving any performance on the table, really. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, like I said, you know, a decade ago, the clean tech industry as a whole was sort of focused on solar, wind. You know, then we got into batteries and EVs, and and then there's more and more interest on, you know, producing battery packs. <laughs> and then, it, and then you get oh, then there's all this interest on lithium or cobalt, or and then you get more like oh, well, there's also nickel and and copper, and you just get people get more and more interested in the chemistries. And it's funny because it's just another case, it seems like, where it's like, oh, yeah, there's more that can be done here <laughs> that, you know, mm -hmm. nobody really focuses on because, you know, we're just, it's, like you said, very complicated systems. And, you know, the way we work, not just as individuals, but as uh, as societies, as groups, you know, we we sort of, it takes some time to get to the next step, right, to get to another topic. But, yeah. I don't know if you have more to add on that, Jeff, but I would also just add or ask, so what are the fundamental problems that, that IONTRA is solving with, with this? Sure. So, I mean, the, the important thing to note is that while we're outside in, you know, the solution winds up you know, entering the battery, providing information which is currently unavailable using the, the systems that are in use today to make decisions on how to charge in a much safer and and more optimal way, given you know the different environments and use cases that batteries find themselves in, and so you know what what I would like to to make sure gets across is that you know we're we're operating with existing systems and with better information and slightly different system architecture, we're able to deliver significantly improved performance by keeping the internal components healthy by ensuring that the charge doesn't damage the battery over and over and over again. And so, you know, with respect to the customers that we're working with, Daniel mentioned that we, you know, get our direction, you know, oftentimes from, from our customers, you know, what we're looking for is, is a way to meet their end users needs. 
really to, to solve problems for them. And the technology provides us with great flexibility to do that. And so, you know, we, as, as you are protecting the components of the battery, you can push what we call a performance budget in any number of combinations of, of directions using the capacity of the battery, the charge speed and the cycle life as the three outcomes that you're trying to balance to meet the end user's needs. And you know what we've been able to demonstrate is really nothing short of extraordinary with off-the-shelf batteries. And you know we could talk more about performance, but to Daniel's point, there's a great contradiction in the market where you know investors and people and companies are willing to endure the years of development, not only to get to a practical uh, design that demonstrates that a battery, a new battery, can achieve incremental performance, but then you have to build these complex manufacturing operations and supply chains and wait for adoption to ramp up to get to a practical cost. And you know, our solution is available today with minor modifications to systems. And so you know, we believe that we have a, a great alternative or at least a stopgap for, for people looking for incremental performance and safety today. Yeah, and as someone who you know tracks industry, but I'm not a battery scientist or a, an engineer, uh, one of the things that you know always that I think most of us are familiar with who really follow it are battery degradation through dendrite formation. So dendrites, as you charge a battery more and more, dendrites grow on it, form on it, that that cause it to lose its energy storage capacity. Right. So how is how is your technology helping? to solve that problem or, or other problems with battery degradation and, and performance? Yeah, fundamentally, that really is the question because it is most tied to safety. Uh, when a battery really has a safety malfunction that causes a large thermal event, it's because a, a dendrite formed and lithium ion batteries provide us with our best case scenario, our most stable system to prevent that from happening as opposed to to next generation technologies like lithium metal based anodes and lithium metal batteries. But a truth in the market that we talk about sometimes is that no matter what technology we're discussing, as soon as it is introduced, no matter how much better it actually is, the market is going to push it to its, its maximum. It's going, they're going to redline it. And that's why it's, it's so important, particularly in the battery space that new technologies are introduced with the prioritization around safety because this this type of abuse we'll call it which is you know quickly becomes normal is you know going to be widespread and that's just a fact of the market and, and competition um, so when i say it i answer that we're stabilizing the battery we should have set it up front but really safety is implicit in all types of performance outcomes that IONTRA would, would deliver to a customer. Fast charge is really where you're going to exacerbate dendrite growth. And a large number of the, the material advancements, um, modifications to the electrolyte or the, the barriers that are present between the anode and the cathode are meant to make it more difficult for dendrites to grow and to short circuit the battery and, and cause these thermal events. But a the challenge with an electrochemical solution in general is that you end up introducing fixes that inherently limit the performance. 
it's by limiting the performance that a lot of chemical solutions actually prevent dendrite growth. Mechanical barriers can be very effective, but they'll in increase the resistance through the cell and you know, therefore slow the rates of charge and discharge that the cell can actually support. So oftentimes solutions end up being at odds with some aspect of the required performance of the, the device. And that's where we start introducing the idea of electrodynamics as something that Iantra is introducing. And I can I can talk more about that, but that might be a, a rabbit hole. Yeah, let's let's pause for a moment. I, I like that you highlight this socioeconomic factor, this, you know, that companies and the market will push technologies to their limits, basically to, to win, to, to be market, you know, commercially competitive. It's a really interesting point. My, my bachelor's degree was sociology and it's a, it's just a fascinating topic. We could spend a whole podcast discussing, but it's interesting that you highlight that and sort of interject that Iantra is kind of a solution that for problems that are maybe not so well identified, not so well acknowledged because while everyone's just racing to to win in this market. But yeah, following on that, so where does your technology is it is it does it get integrated in a battery pack production, in the vehicle electric vehicle production, in the charging equipment production? Where is it integrated in that process? So just again, I'm I'm lagging the conversation right here. And Daniel mentioned a couple of things I'd like to just add to, you know, the the you know, one thing I'd like to impress upon you is that the the way that we ensure that the battery remains safe under all circumstances is that we do an extraordinary amount of testing. And so, I mean, we have, you know, 3 million hours of testing uh, under our belt so far. And with each new cell and each new customer, we do testing at temperatures ranging from, you know, minus 20 degrees Celsius all the way up to 45 degrees Celsius and beyond. And so, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of testing that we're very intentional about understanding the limits of the batteries so that whatever performance we are delivering to our customers, we are confident in its safety uh, from a very macro level, we do that testing. But then within each cycle, the whole platform is based around a sensing mechanism that then predicts degradation in, in the battery as it's in use so that the charge is, is really delivering the safest possible you know, solution over the life of the battery and under different circumstances. So I just want to make it's sure- Good you... point. I, I think it's funny as like a an interviewer, I tend, I, I, I tend to think oh, for sure they've got their safety stuff, uh, you know, in place. They've got all that. As a customer, it would be like my number one question: be like, "But how how safe is what you're doing?" You know. So it's all, it's funny to you know. I wouldn't think about like when I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. Uh, are you doing adequate? You know, safe. What are your safety steps? But for sure, that's got to be question number one, two, and three for a potential customer or or. Um, yeah, any at any stage of the process. So it's a good to point out. Uh, interesting. 
Remote workers and other citizens of the world seeking a vibrant community and a sustainable, all-inclusive travel experience tailored to modern professionals need to know about Surfbreak. With locations in Honolulu, Hawaii, and Puerto Escondido, Mexico, Surfbreak is a co-living and co-working community designed for professionals, slow tourists, or anyone looking for a full-service living experience that enables real connections to thrive. Surfbreak's unique lifestyle concept promotes unplanned collaboration and spontaneous collision that helps new ideas blossom with a supportive environment, all with an emphasis on authenticity and sustainability. Clean Tech Talk listeners get $100 off your first day when you mention Clean Technica at sign up. Clean Technica's founder, Scott Cooney, says their concept is simple. They create a space where people interact without having to work at it or plan it and provide the right resources for connection and enjoyment. And the magic follows. Be part of that magic and do it for $100 less when you mention Clean Technica. Offer valid for new Surfbreak signups only. Terms and conditions apply. See surfbreakcoliving.com for more info. This is a little bit off topic, but I'm, I'm just curious. You guys are based in Colorado, correct? I, I, you know, NREL has got a big uh, base in Colorado. Do you have a lot of NREL, former NREL scientists working with you or? We do not. Uh, we have collaborated with them to do validation work. And so, okay. uh, you know, we have shared our platforms with a variety of institutions who have replicated our testing and validated the performance, in some case, delivering better performance than we've uh, actually delivered out of our own labs. And so uh, we're, we're very excited about the, uh, the, the third-party evidence that we can bring to bear in a lot of conversations. But NREL has been a great partner, and we look forward to doing additional work with them. Yeah, when Daniel was talking about his background, I thought, you know, maybe he was at NREL for a time. That's why you're in Colorado. <laughs> and But definitely thought, you know, it's, it's a tremendous resource the U.S. has as these national laboratories. And, you know, the different ways you can benefit from that, either with uh, staff who came from them or like you said third party uh, collaboration and that kind of stuff it just it's a tremendous resource to have so it's great to hear that you've collaborated and that's helped helped you guys in your development too um, we do have team members from national labs uh, just not Jet nrel mm-hmm. and also mention that you know our labs are every bit as capable as many of the national labs and staffed similarly with with really really high caliber people yeah, this, I mean, this is just quite very technical uh, topic and company. So it's, you know, different idea thoughts like this are coming into mind that, you know, normally wouldn't. But yeah, well, let's keep going with, uh, I'm not sure where we left sure. off. Let me answer the... your, your, the question you actually right. asked, right, which right. was, um, you know, how do we get into the product? So, you know, currently, uh, you know, we've, we've been on a development path, as you would appreciate as a startup company trying to use our resources efficiently. We've been working with systems that are capable of doing high throughput development and testing and everything so that we can help customers get products to market more quickly. And so we've been working uh, with, uh, I would say, a lot of consumer electronics brands and sell OEMs. Uh, We have been doing some early EV work to provide us with indications that we'll be able to deliver similar performance. Uh, But insofar as the integration of the the technology into products, it really takes different forms and different environments. And so, for example, one of our lead customers is a leading power tool OEM. And the way it works is because it has a detachable battery, winds up getting integrated into the charger that the battery gets plugged into. 
for a smartphone, it winds up going onto uh, the, the battery pack itself. We're working with the, the world's largest uh, battery supplier for that market, and they integrate the charge controller right into the battery pack that is integrated into the smartphone. And in an EV, the way that it would get integrated would be to get uh, into the onboard charger and then to also have components on the pack so that the communication latency is um, going to work well. And, and we have the ability to uh, control the pack uh, with those two integration points. Well, I have to say, I'm thrilled that that turned out to not be a really dumb question because I was I was hesitant. I was like, is this a really stupid question to ask? But based on your answer, integrating it in different ways with different devices, yeah, it's it sort of explains why I was a bit uh, un, unclear where where it integrates. But it's also fascinating that it integrates in different places, but also makes sense. You know, I think for someone who's who's explored the charging topic a bit technically, it makes sense that in different places you'd have it integrated in different ways. So, is there anything else? Yeah, well, let's let's just talk about yeah what makes Iontra's Iontra's charge control technology different than more common charge control protocols utilized today in any of these industries. I'm not sure, again, technically, if it's different in these different industries or how, how you would compare what you're doing in, for example, smartphone charging or EV charging space. So I'll make one comment and then ask Daniel to to uh, answer your question. You know, the, we we have this. Daniel already mentioned the fact that the industry has been using this protocol since the early '90s or earlier. But one of the things that is, and to me, that's that, like yesterday. But yeah, right. I, I realize more and more my stories start. Oh, 20, I mean, 30 years ago. I mean, <laughs> so it's not. It's it, technology wise. That's like. That sounds like a long time ago. Of yes. Course, as far as my life goes, it feels like yesterday. But So the, the charge protocol is one piece, but it resides on a system architecture that really constrains innovation. And so what we've done not only is to change the way that you interact with the cell to gain information to then inform the charge that you're going to deliver, but we've actually made a couple of modifications to the charger itself, the hardware, in order to have a, a bigger playing field to actually innovate and come up with some of the things that we're doing. And so it's important to note that because we often get asked, hey, could we do a software only solution? And this gets back to the you know, contradiction I was mentioning earlier. People are willing to, to wait 10, 15, 20 years for a new battery cell. We show up with improve performance today and require a couple of small component changes and are met with, you know, can we just do a software only solution, right? And so it's it's an interesting situation that that you know we overcome, but you know it, it's different audiences for for different topics. So but well, Daniel I was, <laughs> I was just thinking to give you guys props for this thinking outside the battery phrase because this is a really hard thing to explain and communicate and understand. And you need some kind of phrases that work for normal people. So I think this thinking outside the battery is a great one, captures the different elements of this. But for me, just as a communicator, who's someone who's always like tried to understand sort of difficult tech enough to put it in normal language, 
this is a really fun kind of uh, challenge, I think, is going to be explaining this in writing. Of course, talking about it, we're, we're trying to do it here. But, you know, as a writer, uh, trying to put this in in uh, in terms and ideas and metaphors that help people to understand what what you're doing. But it's really interesting. So, yeah, Daniel, you want to take it take it from there? Sure. So trying to, to speak a little bit more about what's unique uh, about our approach. I mentioned earlier that electrochemistry provides a lot of solutions, but has its limits. And a, a very easy example of that to picture is the fact that every battery, no matter what type it may be, has electrodes in it. And those electrodes are most likely a rectangular shape whether they're rolled up in a can cell or folded in a pouch cell or, or some other um, orientation. And so the activity that occurs on an electrode at the edges of that rectangle are gonna be, you know, it's gonna be quite different in many situations as opposed to the activity that occurs in the middle of that electrode. And that's just a, a geometric reality that introduces limitations. And those limitations don't have an electrochemical solution. Developing new materials or new electrolytes, new membranes, isn't going to change the fact that you have these geometric irregularities or non-uniformities in every battery that's produced. And battery OEMs are very good about you know, stamping out the discrepancies to the, the highest possible capability in the design. But when we start pushing these batteries very hard, when you start fast charging, in particular, you get the exacerbation of these spatial differences in the type of activity that's occurring, which is why on an electrode, if you really start you know, increasing the charge rate and you go too fast, dendrites are most likely going to occur on the edges first. And so we're acknowledging that and we're looking at the way that energy flows through the electrode and the other components of the battery. And that's electrodynamics. And the electrodynamic variation on an ed on the edge of an electrode versus in the middle is a perfect example of, of the type of solution that we, we solve for. And as Jeff mentioned, we're using a sensing process that is good at you know, detecting variations that arise as a result of that type of phenomena. So when Jeff was giving a history of the company, talking about material and chemical systems outside of lithium and lithium ion batteries, all of those systems, whether it's copper electroplating or zinc galvanization or zinc batteries or lithium batteries, they all have the same kind of electrodynamic weaknesses because they all use electrodes. It doesn't matter what the, the composition of that electrode is. So we take advantage of electrochemistry and when that solution stops offering us ways to stabilize cells, we can continue to stabilize the system through electrodynamic means, similar to what I, what I just described. And that really unlocks the ability to uh, achieve not fractions of, of performance improvement, multiples. And it's a scary thing to be going out into the world for us and, and telling people that we have these multiples of performance improvement because it's it seems like it's you know dust it's yeah what it are, couldn't be real well yeah i mean uh, <laughs> i think one thing from the past decade of covering this space is there's there's a lot of announcements that come out of especially universities or research labs about breakthrough battery improvements and with different chemistries solid state batteries and i think for the most part people are like oh yeah 
like wake me up when it's in a car you know like especially you know the chemistry is in a solid state battery you know hype which is great it's great it's worked on but you know we've all seen too many like breakthrough headlines and nothing commercialized so what are the specific improvement numbers that you that you present what are the performance improvements that you can present for yeah commercial technologies yeah, there there are a lot of smart people working in this space, a lot of them, but not everything scales. And so we've relied on third-party validation to help people who are on the outside looking in to be able to distinguish um, the relevance and the applicability of what we do at IONTRA. When we work with customers, we'll tell them that we have a, a two-fold performance improvement. But when you look at all of our third-party validation, the numbers are are far higher. So three to five to six times improvement. So you just and, don't tell people that because you're afraid they won't believe you. Be like, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a big improvement, right? And yeah. and you want to make sure that the, the conversation you're having is aligned with the, the performance expectations of a particular product, or as Jeff was mentioning, the actual customers who are using the products that, that batteries are found in. So we have big numbers. We offer a lot of performance gain. It's an indication of just how capable some of the batteries that are already designed and, and circulating in the world today, how capable they really are. But the the reality is that you know we can work with a customer. They can continue to use their same cell models, their same supply chain. They don't have to disrupt any of that, but with our technology, they can offer a completely new product based upon enhanced performance. So it, it gives you a, a sense of what we can what we can be doing with technology that exists today and how exciting the performance can actually be yeah. just by yeah. focusing attention on the control. Mm-hmm. Jeff, I think you were going to add something. Well, Daniel provided a good example of, you know, the claims that that we are capable of making, but as he mentioned, I mean we we don't lead with that because different customers want to use the technology for different benefits. And so, you know, depending on whether cycle life is their priority or charge speed is their priority, you know, we're just cautious, but, you know, our, our slogan is send us your batteries, you know, send us some cells because we have capabilities to analyze, characterize, come to the table with our assessment of what's possible on different dimensions. And then we can talk about what the, the best use case for their end customers and, and incremental product releases might be. And so, uh, but, you know, we have taken the approach of being very quiet in the market because we are letting our data and our customer relationships really drive our go-to-market as opposed to beating our chests about performance. Well, what you were starting to say too, reminded me of, I know uh, an original Tesla sales guy lives near me. He worked for Tesla for seven years and then retired on his uh, stock, you know, early Tesla stock at a young age, but he as a salesperson, he would ask people, well, what do you care about with a car? Like, what do you, inter- like, you want safety, you want performance, you want, because you could sell a Tesla on a bunch of different factors or an EV in general. And it sounds like it's sort of a similar case with, you're like, well, what are you looking to optimize? What are you looking to improve or send me your, your cell and we'll see what, you know. So it sounds like, again, like you have, you, you're improving the technology in various ways, but you're tailoring your what you talk about based on the customer and the battery, right? Right. And there's an important other factor to bring in, uh, which are the commercial 
constraints that might exist for that product. Maybe they only have access to so much power and therefore you can only do a certain charge speed because it's limited by the, you know, the power from the outlet or, you know, whatever source it is. And so while we might be able to achieve certain performance in our lab, you know, our customers have to work within the constraints that they have. So uh, we, we always work within those constraints and provide the customer with the best performance achievable for their application. But even within that, I mean, what we find with, with customers is that, you know, as Daniel was mentioning, we can generally do two times the charge speed and we can do much greater lifetime cycling improvement if you have constraints on power availability. And we've been demonstrating upwards of 4X life cycle improvement, which is really extraordinary. Our, our team in the lab, oftentimes we have meetings a couple of times a week reviewing all the cycling that's going on. And oftentimes they show up to the meetings like, this thing's still going. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, they, they even wow themselves. And so it's, that's... it's really encouraging, especially when in the context of, you know, the second life topics and things like that, where, you know, to the extent that we do find ourselves in applications that wind up feeding second life applications, you know, we can, we can keep the, the batteries alive a lot longer to take pressure off the supply chains for minerals and other types of inputs without having to, you know, start to, to worry about all of the other investment and innovation that has to happen to serve those applications. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I, I think as young as the EV market is today, one of the biggest questions remains, like, how long will the battery last? How long will, will this electric car be usable for me or for, for someone else? Because we just don't have decades of experience with them on the market and so much changes so rapidly that it's like, well, we've got data on a 2013 Nissan Leaf, but what about a 2023, you know, Hyundai Ioniq 5 or Tesla Model 3 or whatever, you know, so I think, I think it's interesting. Yeah, there's just still a lot of questions on this. I think it's one of the biggest questions that consumers still have. So just looking at the biggest picture, the broader picture, what, what do you contribute? How can you uh, help to speed up the transition to vehicle electrification? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I, I would point to two or three of the biggest issues that people have. One is range anxiety, clearly, you know, enabling the long-term use of the, the capacity that the battery has for a you know, longer period of time so that it, it's able to consistently deliver the range. We also, in, in some cases, can improve the capacity utilize, utilization in general. So if companies are only using a portion of the SOC today, you know, we'd be able to enable maybe a 10% increase and, you know, provide incremental range that way. Uh, you know, one of the bigger things that we hear often from EV OEMs is that they're looking to make charge times more practical. And so, you know, we are uh, working with a couple of uh, leading OEMs, one of which, you know, we've been demonstrating some significant performance gains relative to their ability to work with the cell that that uh, they've uh, given us to, to work with. And, you know, we're, we're getting close to a 15 minute charge or at 17 minutes with the same cell that they're using and, and 
you know, cutting the, the charge time almost in half. And so, you know, that's a potential improvement for customers, especially if you start to deliver percent, you know, maybe a 50% charge in five to seven minutes, you know, and, or, or less. Uh, and, and then, you know, they have the ability to keep driving in, in their daily commutes uh, without having to worry about range. And so you mentioned OEM, I assume you can't tell us the names, but company, yeah, that's fine. I understand. And, uh, but you're talking about automakers or automakers, or automakers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure because it could be, yeah. But, uh, well, that's fascinating. Very interesting. I'm going to guess it's a, some U.S. automakers maybe, but uh, we want one German automaker and one okay. U.S. Okay. Well, that's good. We got some info there. A German and a U.S. That's good. Well, that's, yeah, fascinating. And I mean, that's already a testament to your technology if you're working with OEMs at that level. They've, they've apparently gone through their checklist of what do we need to see before we start working with a company. But just going back to that third-party testing, because we touched on it, but I don't think we covered all of it. Can you just say who all you you've done third-party testing with what what institutes or companies and uh, anything else on the results of that i mean it sounds like they were impressed but yeah if you could give it a little more color pull up some pages because picture tells a thousand words daniel why don't you please go ahead yeah, so the the organizations that we've worked with, um, you know, all the work that we do at Iontra is customer driven, and we've tried to work with third party validation organizations that speak to specific industries, provide the type of information that those industries need to to see. So we've worked with the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, a wonderful neighbor, as you mentioned. I'm glad I brought um, them up. Just you know, yeah. Every time I look at your picture of the mountain behind you, I'm thinking that thinking of NREL. <laughs> Yeah, they've got a beautiful location as well. We've worked with Novonics, which has EV affiliation. UL Solutions, which if you've ever held any kind of product in your hand and turned it around, you've seen their stamp on the back. They provide a lot of different certifications. And of course, the, the University of Michigan. And they're centered around a lot of the American automotive industry, a lot of uh, expertise and and the types of problems that automotives care about. So you know, looking at, at new partners to work with to validate specific aspects of the performance that we are capable of delivering is a ongoing part of our, our process and our relationships uh, with different types of OEMs. But in all cases, the, the customer, a customer is driving the problems that we're looking at in those validation studies. The cells as well are, are driven, the specific cells that we're working with. And the common denominator among all the work that we do, as we mentioned earlier, is safety. So an example is a, an 18650 lithium-ion battery that was used, and it has a fast charge rating of, I think it's one hour. We've instead charged that battery in 20 minutes, full capacity utilization, zero to 100%. When we use a standard charging method, we show, or they showed, that that the cells typically die around 160 cycles. And when you fast charge a battery in that way, you take the cell apart and you examine the health of the components, you can see just how unsafe the anode has become. There are dendrites that's, that are present, a lot of lithium flavoring. And that's why we don't do that. That's, that's encouraging. <laughs> that's why you don't do that. But when we use Iontra's process, 
uh, at the same level of acceleration, same capacity utilization. The cells last to just over 500 cycles. And importantly, when you take them apart and look at the components, the anode is free and clear. There is not plated material. I definitely have to get so, some pictures on this if you have like compared. We have many pictures, pictures okay, and all of our reports are, have those pictures, but you know, they're, they're really important implications, not just for the, the person driving that car during the life of the cell sitting on, you know, all that energy, but also when the cars reached its end of life, there's the consideration of what to do with that battery. How safe is it to handle or repurpose for second life? And the department of energy, their number says that up to 40% of the cost of the pack can actually be in transportation at the end of life because you have this high energy density battery pack and you don't know the condition of it you know you have to be very cautious yeah that's a very interesting point uh, and before moving on i just i know you said you can work with different types of batteries i'm just curious to get a little more specific here so if you're if you're working with nca or nmc or or lith lithium phosphate batteries or futuristic solid state batteries can you work with any of them and find ways to improve or is it, or there's still, are there chemistries that you prefer to work with or that you're more tailored to work with? Or is it really a case of your sort of chemistry agnostic? Like no matter what the chemistry is, you might find different improvements, but you also have ways to improve the performance. Uh, mm -hmm. NMC versus NCA or, or lithium cobalt oxide those materials changes we haven't found to be uh, a factor in the level of performance that we can bring. We are constantly trying to find new companies, new cell developers who can send us more, you might say, exotic chemistries and material sets, next generation technologies, because we're trying to answer that question ourselves. Uh, all the cells that we've worked with to date have been, you know, it had a lot of potential for performance improvement and we've been able to bring out that potential. And so the second so we, question I was afraid might be done, but ended up, if you, you're trying to answer the question as well with exotic uh, futuristic ones, that's a good, and just on the charging matter, like you, you mentioned improving the, the, how fast you can charge, you know, a lot of the, the charging, you know, gets slow. A lot of the slowdown is at the end. So when you're, above 80% charge, 90% charge, you know, it slows down. I, I think everyone's familiar with this, but just one uh, metaphor I, that, that's been useful for, for me to explain this to people is it's like filling up a glass of water. You can fill up a lot at the beginning. As you get close to the top, you have to slow down to make sure you don't spill the, the glass. I know it's not really a technology-wise a comparison, but it helps to explain that, you know, when you get closer to the top, it slows down. Yeah, uh, is this improvement in charging speed based on improving like the the charging rate at the higher end, or is it just across the board? Is it uniform from you know whatever charge state of charge you're at? Right, it it's across the board. So we're looking at the battery kind of in the same way from start to finish, zero to one hundred percent. And you're you're right to mention this because for a lot of charge times that are listed, half of that charge time can be just getting from 80 to 100% because you have to be a lot more careful. Yeah, and they often, nowadays, they, they indicate the zero to, to, to 80% or the 20 to 
charge time mm-hmm. because that looks much better. But anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're saying mm-hmm. you're improving the charge rate across the board, whether it's that 10% state of charge, 50 or 90, your technology is able just to improve the state of charge. I mean, the charge rate. That's right. There's a, yeah. there's a much more detailed answer to this, Zach, that I'm sure Daniel's refraining from providing right now because it would take a while. But the, the reality is that, that you know, with a standard conventional charge approach, they're looking at it the way you're describing it, right? But we're actually doing that very frequently and over and over again within the cycle. And so we're making sure that we're, we can push it to the furthest limits over and over and over again within the cycle, paying attention to what's happening within the cell. And that gives us the freedom to really charge a lot faster when called to do that. Yeah, we can put some text or images in Article 2 to help uh, dive deeper into the tech here. But let's move on to the money. So, you know, there's a lot of interest in investing in clean tech companies. It's sort of been a boom bust story for a while here across clean tech industries, whether solar, EVs, batteries. And I think just a lot of investors, they're just always trying to figure out, well, what is the next bottleneck that needs to be solved and what companies are equipped to solve that? I mean, of course, a lot of people just, well, who's the next Tesla? But that's not really the right question these days, right? It's sort of, you know, that, you know it's not that stage where we're looking for a breakthrough automaker we're looking for who's solving the lithium processing or or charge control optimizer optimizer so what i see that you raised 67 million dollars recently in a series b can you just talk a little bit more about who your investors are what they're looking for what they're seeing in iantra that they're not seeing elsewhere perhaps and I think, yeah, we'll, and I have a couple more, but we'll just start with those. Sure. So, yeah, we were very excited to get the round close, had a lot of support. We actually raised it in two tranches. Uh, we did an initial close last August. And then given the progress we were making, we decided to uh, raise an incremental amount to accelerate the development of our custom MCU to really facilitate mass adoption of the technology. And so, you know, the the enthusiasm around having a replacement for conventional charge in a simple to integrate low cost format is what drove the, the you know, the round uh, to, to the size that we were able to raise. And can you speak a bit about who your competitors are in this space or... Sure. So, you know, as I mentioned, there's a lot of people who are working on these issues, trying to eliminate plating and dendrites, uh, but they're doing it in a lot of different ways. We haven't found anyone who's doing exactly what we're doing. And, you know, we kind of view everybody as a collaborator at this point because we are doing something novel. And, you know, there, the, the, uh, there are a couple of companies that come up often, but, you know, we don't see them as direct competitors at the moment. Uh, there's no evidence of it. That'd be Qnovo and G Batteries in particular. They both, you know, are seeking their their own customers and and own solutions. And so we are really, um, you know, getting confirmation from the investment and customer communities about the novelty of what we're doing. 
And I mean, imagine you must be at a bit of a growth phase here with investment coming in. Uh, how are you? How have you been growing, and how are you looking to use that investment to continue growing? Sure. So the the chip development effort is considerable, and so we are in the midst of a design effort that will quickly turn into development. We're about to get under contract with the largest. Uh, chip manufacturer. I'm going to leave it on name because we're still in negotiations, uh, but there's a likelihood that we'll be closing on that deal in September and begin the development process to then generate sample chips by the third quarter of next year, ready for customer consumption in the fourth quarter. And, you know, we're, we're building development kits so that companies can get the technology in their hands and start to look at how they may adapt their existing systems to IONTRA's design. And then we do offer services for companies to develop the protocol that would go on the chip to get integrated into their products once they do a product release. And so, you know, that's all one big effort. We have grown a lot over the last two years. And so, you know, just a couple of years ago, we were, you know, 20, 30 people. Uh, we're 120 people now, uh, growing to about 150 this year. We did open up a chip design center, uh, both in Dallas and in uh, Bangalore, India, and have some veteran expert chip designers, some who helped to design uh, the EV charge controllers for leading existing chip OEMs. So we do have uh, people from Texas Instruments, Qualcomm, NXP, Google on our team. And, you know, we have our, our, our team uh, is uh, really, uh, I would say, providing confidence to the investment community about our ability to get the chip out uh, with the capabilities and uh, the costs that we're going to be able to deliver to the market. And I imagine a lot of retail investors are right now listening and thinking, hey, when can I invest in IONTRA? I don't know if you can say anything about future plans, but. Uh... I would say liquidity is, uh, you know, out on the horizon, uh, probably, <laughs> you know, 27 or later. Sounds good. We'll be definitely keeping an eye on you and staying in touch. And uh, just any final comments, anything that you want to add or clarify from earlier in the conversation? So uh, there's so much more to talk about. We'd love to visit with you again. And please uh, feel free to find a time to come see us. We are doing some really interesting things. Our, our team is comprised of a very wide breadth of talent uh, spanning, you know, the, the algorithm development, which, you know, has a lot of PhDs, uh, you know, from electrochemistry, physics, math, uh, chemistry, uh, talent uh, comprising those teams, but then we have you know a very capable software development team, hardware development, and then of course our chip design team and and all of our operations team. Uh, it's a very very diverse set of people, and a very excited group of people. I think you'd enjoy the visit. Yeah, I think you can probably tell from this this conversation. I'm extremely intrigued. Uh, you've really piqued my interest. I'm trying to put everything together in a coherent puzzle in my head. And uh, there's a lot to learn. So I've, I've been fascinated to, to hear what you guys say. Daniel, any final comment? I definitely would be eager to get out to Colorado and and uh, and explore in more detail and face-to-face. -face. Uh, Daniel, any final comments from you? Really just that, you know, the, the technology we've developed, the work that we do with customers, the validation, the large number of cells that we've worked with, 
you know, really, we want to become the ubiquitous charging standard. We hope that with every demonstration where we are showing maintained safety, where we're delivering performance that customers are expecting for today's and tomorrow's products, that we're really developing a um, economical and solid future-proof technology effectively. Materials development has been going on for a long time. It's going to continue to, as it should. And we want everyone to see how safe and how compatible our technology is with contemporary cells and cells that are being developed and going to be in 20, 30 years. I think that's the, the real message I would want to end with today with you. Yeah, and if we visit my, my Polish wife and my daughters who are born in Poland, it would be great to dig into your Polish background, ancestral background, despite the spelling being different. Your last name is a Polish word that means sandwich. So Daniel Kanapka got Perfect. changed when, <laughs> when your ancestors arrived in Ellis Island, I'm sure, just like mine, uh, got got changed from the original Irish uh, Shahan to a different spelling. But uh, it would be fun to explore that as well. The mountains, go hiking, I don't know. And of course, I'm like really eager to get into your labs if that's possible and, and look at what you're doing and talk to your your engineers and all that stuff. So really intrigued. Uh, thank you for uh, connecting with us and for doing this podcast. And anyone listening, please remember to subscribe, to like this podcast wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is. And to, uh, to, yeah, to give us a thumbs up and to keep an eye on Iantra because it looks like a fascinating company thinking outside the battery or working outside the battery it's complicated though sometimes inside the battery it's it's complicated and fun all right thanks a lot have a good day thank you, you. thanks Zach. thank you for listening to clean tech talk join us next time to get your electric fix If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.